0: Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about kind of the myth that positive reinforcement can only be used to teach tricks. And I think that this is a common myth among um professionals and just people in general who don't really use positive reinforcement or only use it for tricks and primarily use more traditional training like negative reinforcement and positive punishment and so um I think yeah we just want to kind of address this because that can end up being kind of harmful to positive reinforcement if you know people continue to think that it's kind of not good for anything other than tricks
1: yeah and it's a weird myth to me because people who have at least the basic understanding of learning theory, like operant conditioning, should know that it can be used in other aspects, but then at the same time, a lot of equine professionals especially don't really have that background, so it's kind of tricky.
0: Yeah, that's very true, and to me, it's also strange because we see a lot of other species be taught really complex behaviors with positive reinforcement that maybe, yes, could be considered tricks, but you know, like extremely complex behaviors. Like, I mean, with dolphins, a lot of the time they do all sorts of interesting things. Like even, you know, like the trainer, like standing surfing on the dolphin's back, stuff like that. And the dolphins just doing all sorts of things. So while yes, those could be considered tricks, it's like, that's honestly a lot more complex, I think, than a lot of what we're trying to do with horses, just, you know, an everyday person on an everyday basis. So I guess to like see all that complicated work that trainers are doing with positive reinforcement and be like, oh, this is only for tricks. It couldn't possibly do, you know, barrel racing or whatever is like, that just seems strange to me that people
1: would kind of come to that conclusion. Right. And being clicker trainers, we also know that people will do it with like cooperative care. So I've seen videos of hyenas and wolves and lions and stuff getting injections and getting their teeth done or their nails trimmed like all these crazy things that would be so hard to do if we force them to with more traditional based training
0: yeah exactly I mean I think that before they've kind of gotten um you know trainers that can teach those skills through cooperative care and positive reinforcement they had to like usually drug those animals and kind of like shoot them with a stun gun and drug them so that they could get medical procedures done and now it can be done in a way that's so much safer for both the person and the animal so that is really cool to see I agree so yeah I mean I think it's there's just so much stuff that we can do with positive reinforcement that to be like oh it's just tricks doesn't even make sense.
1: Another thing too is that our animals don't know what's a trick and what's not because everything we do is so unnatural for them especially horses like they wouldn't normally in the wild on their own have to do like a pee off or something like that like they don't do those things naturally that's something we treat we teach them and the same is true for like hoof handling or being away from the herd all these things that we do with them are so unnatural and all of it to the horses is a trick
0: yeah, that's such a good point. Like it's kind of another case of us as humans kind of projecting our like classifications and categories of things onto the horse. So like, oh, you know, um smiling is a trick, but um lifting up your hoof or picking out the hooves is not a trick and riding is not a trick and all those types of things when like you said the horse really isn't going to have a distinction there. They're going to just see everything kind of the same as these are a behavior that I wouldn't normally do that I'm being trained to do. So that is definitely a very good point.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of just putting our own labels and ideas onto animals and all species. So I thought it was worth bringing up. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: And I think kind of one thing that I wanted to discuss, which I don't know if this is the best time to bring it up or not, but kind of the idea of like, oh, um, you know, tricks are kind of like a lower class of behaviors, or it's not useful to teach tricks, or, you know, those type of things. And then kind of also the idea that if positive reinforcement can only teach tricks, then it's not useful. And I kind of want to push back kind of against that in the sense that um you know a lot of the other types of training that we see like the more traditional types of training that don't use positive reinforcement they often are pretty based in punishment and based in things that the animal may not enjoy or may be harmful to them in some way and so I think that you know there's also kind of an ethical question here as well not just about effectiveness um I saw an Instagram post that kind of made me think about this it was posted by um dog underscore at heart on Instagram. And they posted saying the question of can force-free training do insert activity here is not what we should be asking. We should basically question if a sport that brings about the likely need to use aversives is worth competing in at all. So I think that's kind of a good point as well, because like I would, you know, argue that positive reinforcement can teach any, or at least nearly any behavior that you can teach with punishment or negative reinforcement or anything like that. But at the same time, even if it couldn't, I still don't think that that would be an issue for positive reinforcement because positive reinforcement is sort of often, or at least, you know, in my opinion, should be paired with kind of a perspective that the learner has autonomy and the learner can decide what is something that they're comfortable with doing. So, um, you know, even if we couldn't get horses to do non-trick behaviors I would be okay with that because we should kind of be thinking about like I guess what is fair to be asking and things like that and that's kind of off topic but I do think it's related um since tricks are kind of seen as a lower class of behavior but it's like if the horse is enjoying doing the tricks and the human's enjoying it like that's totally fine there's nothing that should be kind of I guess looked down on about that
1: yeah, I think that comes down to just horse training in general, too, though. We kind of lose that fun side of it once we get more into showing or just like more advanced riding lessons and things like that. We kind of lose touch with just wanting to enjoy horses. So I think that's a little bit of where that comes from. From, But tricks are fun. Like, There's no reason you shouldn't incorporate into your training, no matter what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, tricks are fun and tricks can be anything or nothing. I mean, I wouldn't consider most of my horse's behaviors to be tricks. Like if you were asking me like to describe them, I wouldn't say tricks. But to be honest, like a lot of people probably would see them as tricks because it's stuff like, oh, you know, um, walk onto a cone or step up on a platform, things like that, that, you know, people typically probably would see as tricks. But on the other hand, they're also behaviors that are you know providing like mental enrichment to the horse and things like stepping on a platform have physical benefits for the horse as well so I mean there's so many things that are going into why we do those behaviors and things like that other than just like oh it's a fun trick but even if it was just a fun trick like smile or whatever that's cool and it's gonna be if it's fun for you and the horse then that's kind of what matters
1: yeah, that's so true. And going back to the idea that clicker training or positive reinforcement is for low-level behaviors, it's just not. <laughs> like You could train a whole dressage pattern in a behavior train behavior chain if you really wanted to, and they would just get that one reward at the end. Obviously, you have to work up to that, and it would take a long time, but you can chain behaviors to make patterns to make one really big behavior. So it's not always very easy like yes teaching a horse to smile is relatively easy I feel like I could teach almost anyone to do that but there's still timing that you have to think about and how you're rewarding your horse and there's just so much that goes into it that I feel like is overlooked because traditional people just think clicker training is feeding horses
0: yeah that is so true I mean yeah it can definitely be used to teach really complex behaviors and I, I mean I don't know a lot about like the dog world and dog competitions. But I do think, you know, in a lot of agility competitions, we do see people doing a lot of chained behaviors and, you know, getting the dog to kind of go through the agility course. And, you know, they're not stopping to feed them after every single little obstacle that they go through or whatever. So, um, I mean, dogs are a little bit different since they're more reinforced by, like, I think, play and you can kind of use those type of things more so than you can with horses. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we see that there and we see people doing it with horses as well, just not quite as commonly as, you know, we see with other species. And I think we will be seeing that more with horses and something that uh, Trudy Dempsey said. um, I can't remember when she said it, if it was in the course that I did with her, if it was in her podcast or something like that, but she was talking about how important it is for, positive reinforcement trainers to try to work towards kind of like, you know, learning how to change behaviors and things like that, just because it can set an example for other people that, you know, this is something that we can do and it can be really successful. Cause like, I personally wouldn't even care to, like, I don't know. I I have no problem feeding after every behavior and I'm not planning to like enter shows or anything where I wouldn't be able to do that. So I have no problem just doing that. So I don't have like a personal reason to chain behaviors, I guess. But just in the sense of like, you know, showing people it is possible and this can be done well, um, I think is really important. So that's kind of, you know, one motivator. Obviously we shouldn't do things just because of external pressure, but I do think it can have a positive impact on the, the horse industry and on horses overall and their welfare when people start to see how possible it is to do that.
1: Right. I agree with all of that. I think people just either look at clicker training and kind of laugh at it, or they look at it and they're overwhelmed because it's so different from what's done traditionally. So I think putting out some examples of how to break things down or how to chain things and do things like that in a way that look practical are really helpful to bring people into clicker training.
0: Yeah, I agree. And what you said about how people either like kind of don't know what it is or they're confused by it, I definitely think that's true. Like whenever I tell people, "Oh, I do clicker training." They're like, "Oh, so you do like liberty stuff like that." And I'm like, "Um, not exactly. Like, yeah, I work at Liberty, and it kind of is Liberty, but not in the sense of, you know, like what you're thinking of." So, it's yeah, people just don't have an idea of what it is. And I do think it's helpful that some of the kind of bigger, I guess horse traditional people out there are starting to incorporate it a little bit and that can help it get seen more as being, you know, first, maybe it will be seen as part of serious training and maybe not all of serious training, but as it sort of starts to get used by, you know, like, I know, um, like BZ Madden has used it um, and other people as well. And she's an inventor and, you know, other inventors and other people in other disciplines as well. So, you know if people see, oh, it can be used as a part of training for very successful rider and horse in a competition, then that can help them kind of get used to the idea. Um, and then, you know eventually hopefully there will be people who are using primarily positive reinforcement who can show that that's possible as well. But again, it kind of also comes down to some of the things that we expect in competitions are possibly not quite fair or not quite reasonable to ask, and we've gone way more into that in the episodes that we did on competitions so we don't have to go crazy into that here but I do think that that is a factor of like you know maybe it's not super reasonable to expect horses to jump some of those crazy cross-country courses that are honestly just flat out dangerous for the horse and rider Um, so like you know maybe something that is kind of very dangerous and very risky maybe the horse is never going to choose to to do that but you know that's kind of a whole other question of should we be making the courses that dangerous and that extreme? And you know, obviously, I think no, which is pretty clear. But, yeah, so that's just kind of a whole other topic,
1: yeah. I feel like competition does have to change, which again, we went over that in that whole. <laughs> I think it might have been two episodes, but I feel like even if people practice positive reinforcement outside of the competition world with their own horses, it really helps improve your timing, even with traditional base training. So if you are wanting to continue competing, but then want to go back and practice positive reinforcement and other aspects of your horse's life, you could do that. And you'd probably see an increase in your skill level too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think positive reinforcement trainers really get into having good timing with, you know, your click and things like that, and that can be helpful even if you are doing negative reinforcement training, just having the good timing, because it's equally as important, if not more important, to have perfect timing in negative reinforcement training, so um, definitely, yeah, I think that that can help improve your skills, and hopefully when people start to see that benefit as well, they may start to See that it's useful. And obviously, you don't have to do positive reinforcement to learn how to have good timing with negative reinforcement. And that largely, I think, just comes down to that positive reinforcement trainers are so aware of the science and so focused on how to do it correctly, I guess. Whereas a lot of negative reinforcement trainers are more so practicing tradition and kind of doing a distorted form of negative reinforcement that is not really correct and therefore is kind of hindering the horses learning as well, which is just very unfortunate.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at click, treat, repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training!